Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, The Gift. In this three-part Christmas series, we will be highlighting the significance of the gifts the Magi brought to Jesus, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and we'll explore the symbolism of these gifts for Jesus and for us. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. Pastor Bill Ankerberg is a friend of mine, and in 2008, his church was doing mission work in Malawi, Africa. When they learned of the desperate need for children's health care in that country, and when they heard about this, they decided that they were going to raise the money needed to build a fully equipped pediatric clinic. The cost for that was $160,000. Now, despite being a fairly large church, this was far beyond anything they had ever done. So they decided that they were going to raise the funds through a special Christmas Eve offering. So for several weeks before that evening, Pastor Bill asked people to pray about what they should give and to give something that cost them something, to be a significant gift. And this is what he wrote about what happened on that Christmas Eve. He said the mood was electric on Christmas Eve as people brought their gifts to the front and put them in large baskets. There were women who were crying. There were children who were running up, smiling. And people gave with the greatest joy that we've ever seen. They were delighted to give God what cost them something more than normal. People came in droves. In fact, the house was so crowded the, the church was so crowded, there were three rows put in the lobby of, so that people could sit. There were chairs in every doorway. People were standing along the walls. And even people came from the community because they had heard about the project and they wanted to participate in it. Now, before the offering, Pastor Bill asked everyone to take out a pen and to write on their envelopes where that money came from. And this is what they discovered. Children had sold toys and candy. Some had saved their allowances and given that. Some had babysat. Others had sacrificed Christmas presents to be able to give to the children of Malawi. Adults had given up physical therapy, Christmas presents. Some of them had hosted dinners or sold stock and, or sold cars. Some of them donated savings. Some of them gave up their winter vacations. And one couple even donated money that they would have used for fertility drugs in the hopes that even if they couldn't have a baby, maybe they could help save the life of someone else's baby. Everyone dug down deep and made personal sacrifices to achieve this goal. And when everything had been collected and counted, that congregation had raised over $525,000 for the children in Malawi. Wow, what a Christmas present. Today we're starting our Christmas series called The Gift. And each week we will look at one of the gifts that the Magi presented to Jesus. Those gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh were quite expensive gifts, and they're very interesting gifts for a child. I mean, after all, they're not the kind of gifts that you would give to an infant or to a toddler, but those gifts are more than just presents. They actually reveal unique attributes about the greatest gift that was ever given to humankind. That gift is Jesus. 
In the Gospel of Matthew, we learn about the Magi. Who were they? They were wise students of the stars and the constellations of the night sky. They were from what's mo what is modern-day Iraq, and they knew the stars better than the backs of their hands. In the inky black Mesopotamian nights, they had mapped out the stars and the planets and the comets. They had tracked the almost imperceptible movement of those stars and constellations for generations. And they knew the characteristics and the stories of those constellations. Now, not only were they astronomers, they were also astrologers. They believed that the great God had diagrammed the great workings of history in the stars. They believed to study the stars was to peer into the future. So when these magi saw a new and unique star rising as they studied the heavens, they knew it meant a new leader had been born. And so they followed that star because they wanted to see and honor this newborn king. In the Gospel of Matthew, we read these words about what happened when the magi found their newborn king. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The Magi brought those gifts to Jesus, and as I said, those gifts tell us something about who Jesus is to us. The first gift that we're going to look at is frankincense. Frankincense has a connection to being a priest. You see, frankincense is a white resin. It's sort of gum-like, and it's obtained from a tree by making incisions in the bark and allowing that, that gum, that resin, to flow out. It is a highly fragrant resin when it's burned. So frankincense was an incense that was used in worship, and when it was burned, it was to give a pleasant offering to God. Pastor Craig Rochelle points out that frankincense was what the priest would use during the sacrifices. Burning the incense that would make, the, make smoke that would rise up to heaven, symbolizing the prayers of the people rising in faith to God. And that's why Bible scholars agree that frankincense represents the priestliness of Jesus, or as we read in the book of Hebrews, Jesus our high priest. The role of the high priest in the Old Testament was to represent the people before God. And in doing so, the high priest had two very important things to do. First, the high priest offered the sacrifices of animals to God. These innocent animals would be sacrificed as an offering to pay for the sins of the people. The second thing this high priest would do would be to offer prayers to God on behalf of the people. So, Let's look at how both of those actions changed when Jesus became our high priest. Priest made sacrifices for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. There are two important truths about humans and Jesus. We are sinful and unholy and Jesus is sinless and holy. 
From the very beginning of creation, humans have proved their ability to sin. Our sinfulness is offensive to God and it separates us from God because God is holy and he cannot come into the presence of sin. Now, while many people are not concerned with this idea of their sinfulness, as people who believe in and follow Jesus, we have to take our sinfulness seriously. We need to understand that our sin breaks off our connection with God. It destroys our intimacy with God. Just think about it. Have you ever felt distant from God? You know, you believe, but God feels far away. Have you considered that your sinfulness is causing that distance between you and God? Have you examined your life and confessed your sins to get right with God? That's what has to happen. When you read through the book of Leviticus, you see that once a year on the day called the Day of Atonement, or as our Jewish friends call it, Yom Kippur, the high priest would make a sacrifice of an innocent animal for the sins of the people. Now then the high priest would take the blood of that sacrifice and he would go into the temple and sprinkle it on the Ark of the Covenant to purify it. The next thing the high priest would do would, take, would be to take two goats. One goat he would sacrifice and he would sprinkle that blood on the Ark of the Covenant and the other goat would be used for a very unique task. And this goat was called the scapegoat. Have you ever wondered where that word scapegoat comes from? Well, you're about to find out. You see, the high priest would place his hands on the scapegoat and confess the sins and rebellion and wickedness of the Israelites over that goat and then send that goat out into the wilderness. The scapegoat carried on itself all of the sins, all of the wickedness of the people of Israel and thus, it symbolized that they were forgiven again. Seeing how God instructed Israel to deal with their sins shows us that sin is a big deal to God, and therefore, we should not take our sin casually or lightly. Sin has consequences in our relationship with God. Why? First, because God is holy. And sin is unholy, and God cannot come into the presence of anything unholy. Thus, our sinfulness has to be forgiven for us to be restored in our relationship with our holy God. But for God to forgive our sins, he requires a punishment for sins. Why? Because God is just and his justice requires punishment for sinful disobedience. So sins must be paid for. But God is also merciful. And he wants to provide for us a way to be forgiven. And so that's why God provided the system of sacrifices for Israel to receive forgiveness by sacrificing an innocent animal to pay for their sinfulness. The sacrifices of those animals would satisfy God's justice and also extend mercy to his people. It would restore Israel's relationship with God until again their sins tarnished that relationship. But we need to know that the sacrificial system was a temporary system because in God's sovereignty, he had a plan to deal with our sinfulness in one 
ultimate sacrifice. And we read about that in the book of Hebrews chapter 10. It says this, For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. That's good news. You see, Jesus is our high priest but unlike the high priest that sacrificed animals, he made the final and ultimate sacrifice for our sins once and for all in himself. This is the greatest thing that's ever happened to the world, the greatest thing that's ever happened to us because without that forgiveness, we would never be restored to our relationship with God. And without that forgiveness, we would be damned to an eternity separated from God. So we see Jesus, our high priest, became the penultimate sacrifice for the sins of the world. Now going back to the high priest of the Old Testament, remember the second thing that they did? Those priests prayed prayers on behalf of the people to God. Now Jesus, our high priest, intercedes for us with God the Father constantly. Not only did the priests in the Old Testament make sacrifices for the sins of the people as a nation, but he also came before the Lord praying for the people to God. God spoke to Moses and he said that when someone sins and when that person recognizes their sin and confesses it and admits their guilt, they still have to make restitution for their sins. And the way they do that is they take an offering for their guilt to the priest. And there the priest takes this guilt offering and he sacrifices it to God and he intercedes on behalf of the person to God, offering the sacrifice for their sins and praying to God, asking God to forgive that person. The priest would take that guilt offering which may have included frankincense, and burn it on a sacrificial fire. And the priest would also pray to God for that person. And therefore, both the, the smoke and the aroma of the offering and the prayers of the priest would rise to heaven. The Bible tells us that just as the priest prayed for the people of Israel, so Jesus, our high priest, prays for us. The book of Hebrews makes it very clear that Jesus is our ultimate high priest who intercedes for us with prayers to God the Father. In Hebrews 7, we read this. There were many priests under the old system for death prevented them from remaining in office. But because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. This passage is telling us that salvation and forgiveness of sins come only through believing in Jesus, our high priest. Now stop and think about this. Jesus knows you. 
And he knows what's happening in your life because he is all-knowing. And with that knowledge, God is forever interceding with God on your behalf. He's going to God for you and for me. And Jesus does this because he loves us and because he wants us to know God while we live on this earth, and he wants us to be with God forever. So, so knowing these things about Jesus, our high priest, demands a response. How will we respond to him? Well, our high priest's actions for us demand a wholehearted response from us. Jesus has given his all for us. He has given everything for us. He is the great high priest who sacrificed his life for us. And he continually intercedes and prays for us. Why did he do this? And why does he continue to intercede for us? We learn that in Hebrews chapter 4. It tells us what kind of high priest Jesus is. It says this. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testing we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Here's the big idea. Jesus understands you. Jesus understands what it's like to be human. Jesus faced the same type of test and temptations that you and I do, except Jesus did not sin. He knows everything that you're going through. He knows what it's like to be you, what it's like to be me. Jesus knows your pain, your fear, your anxiety. He knows what tempts you. He knows when you sin. He knows where you succeed and when you fail. Jesus knows what you've been grappling with during this crazy year called 2020. And Jesus knows your hopes and dreams for coming out of this pandemic. Jesus knows everything about us. That's powerful. He knows and he intercedes for us. But now let's go back to verse 16 and see what our response should be. It says this, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Jesus has done everything for you and me so that we could receive mercy and grace. He wants us to come to him for forgiveness, and he wants us to know that he is interceding on our behalf. Because of Jesus' high priestly work, you and I can go boldly to God, and we can ask for forgiveness for whatever we've done, for any of our sins and even all of our sins, and he will forgive us. That's his nature. That's what he's put in place by letting Jesus make the penultimate sacrifice for our sins. If we come to him and truly seek forgiveness openly and honestly, he will forgive us. But it also says that we can come to him boldly and bring whatever prayers, whatever requests we have, we can take them to God and pray in Jesus' name and he will hear our prayers 
And according to his will, he will answer those prayers for us. You know, the gift of frankincense reminds us that Jesus is our high priest who has made the final and ultimate sacrifice to pay for our sins and who is interceding for us even at this very moment. But as I mentioned earlier, what Jesus has done and is doing for us demands a response from his followers. It demands that we respond to him for what he has done, showing our faith and our gratitude. We need to recognize this. We need to recognize that we're sinners, and we need to own that we are sinful people. And when we own it, then we need to follow what Scripture tells us to do. We need to confess those sins, not just once a year, like on a Day of Atonement, but often, and especially when we recognize our sins. So we're actually going to do that right now. I want to lead you in a prayer, which I want you to pray after me. So wherever you are, I invite you to pray this prayer. One phrase at a time, I'm going to give it to you, and you can pray it out loud or you can pray it silently. So in the room here or at home, would you bow your heads and close your eyes and, and pray these words after me? Dear God, please forgive me of my sins. Thank you for sending Jesus to pay for my sins. Jesus, thank you for being my high priest. Thank you for dying in my place so I can live. And thank you for interceding on my behalf to God. Fill me with your spirit as I follow you. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, there's something powerful about confession. Over and over in scripture, it tells us that when we confess our sins, God is faithful to his promise to forgive us. Not only does he forgive us, but he purifies us through the blood of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for us. And our sins are erased. We're forgiven. So I want you to walk in that knowledge that your sins are forgiven. Own that. Accept that. Jesus, our high priest, has done that for each and every one of us. And here's one more thing I'll tell you. You also need to forgive yourself because if you won't forgive yourself for the things that you've done, but Jesus will, then you're saying what Jesus did on the cross wasn't enough for you to have your sins forgiven. So trust Jesus. He's forgiven your sins. Walk with your high priest. Turn to him and ask him for those things that are on your heart and let him intercede for you because he has already done the greatest thing in the world by dying and paying the price for your sins. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.